KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, May 14th. Recovering from the pandemic with art classes. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Scripps Health is still grappling with the cyber attack that took their systems offline almost two weeks ago. Its facilities are still open, but some procedures are still being delayed. Some patients, including cancer patients, were transferred to UC San Diego Health earlier this week. Scripps now says it is partnering with private labs to outsource services as it works to restore systems. For now, there is still no indication as to when Scripps' systems will be fully restored. Now that the Pfizer vaccine has been approved for children 12 years and older, vaccine sites in the county are already taking walk-ins and appointments. The Family Health Centers of San Diego say they've received a good response from parents looking to book appointments. The county estimates there are now nearly 176,000 more San Diegans now eligible to get the vaccine. The San Diego Symphony has revealed the name of their new outdoor venue. It'll be called the Rady Shell at Jacobs Park. The big money donors who made the shell possible got a big thank you from the San Diego Symphony at an event on Thursday. Here's Symphony CEO Martha Gilmer. In the midst of the dark times of the past year, every time we would come to this place, we would feel joy. Gilmer says the first concert will be held there in August. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. A year of distance learning has been tough on all students, and though academic loss might be front of mind for parents and teachers, experts say test scores are only part of the picture. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong spoke with teachers and experts about how art and music can help students recover from the pandemic school year. For Barbara Leroy, one silver lining of teaching at home through the pandemic was having the chance to play her ukulele to keep students engaged during distance learning. And last month, when she went back to part-time in-person teaching at Joseph Casillas Elementary in the Chula Vista Elementary School District, the ukulele came with her. Now it's helping her students readapt to the classroom. If a child has had a, a tough morning, you know, maybe that music can just kind of get them out of their head and out of that situation. Leroy said it's not just the students who benefit from the sing-alongs. There's just been kind of a lot of anxiety with being kind of on the camera and and then now on in person. And um, when I play music and I just kind of get out of my own head and my uh, out of my own, ang- you know, anxious feelings and just centers me, so helps me to calm down. 
And while educators have worried about learning loss and students falling behind, experts say that emphasizing academic recovery might just create more anxiety for students. Alix Gallagher is the Director of Strategic Partnerships for a think tank called Policy Analysis for California Education. She said emphasizing arts in the classroom can serve as an antidote to this anxiety as students return to campuses. And so we have to understand when kids come back to school, having been away, um, they're bringing not only potentially uh, more varied academic challenges, but they've also had a wide range of emotional experiences and their socio-emotional wellness definitely needs to be addressed. For both Gallagher and Leroy, it's about helping students rediscover a love of being at school. Things like the arts, band, visual arts, uh, dance, sports, those activities that are kind of more often off to the side are actually uh, places where students can bring their whole selves and find meaning and, and develop the relationships and connectivity to school that help them get through school and, and ultimately thrive as, as well-rounded human beings. Bonnie Hunt, a first grade teacher at Casillas Elementary, said the social aspect of the arts also helps students as they emerge from a year in isolation. I had a few students that were very isolated, had a lot of anxiety coming back into the classroom and being able to draw and do art, which is an, kind of an independent thing, kind of brought them out of their shell because then they wanted to share what they had done. But academics and the arts aren't completely separate. Hunt students spent the last week learning about the bugs and insects that pollinate flowers or aerate the soil. I'm drawing like butterflies and things and animals that are pollinators. They use paint markers to decorate the school garden. Hunt says this helps students gain confidence while learning the material. They take ownership of it and it takes what they're learning from a book and it makes it real. And when they can transfer what they've seen in the book or learned in the book and create their own, then you can really say they've learned it. Hunt is retiring this year, but she hopes the new normal does not include the same hyper-focus on standardized tests. She's rooting for beauty and self-expression to make a comeback. Whether it's creating something that makes them feel good about themselves or something they've created that they're proud of or something that they've created that takes their sadness away, then that's the most important thing about the classroom, not whether or not they can bubble in. Bubbling in is an art. And that reporting from KPBS education reporter, Joe Hong. A North County organization is bringing mobile showers to homeless people throughout San Diego County. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has more. A fresh shower, a new haircut, and new clothes can make anyone feel human again. That was Jordan Verdin's mission when he founded Humanity Showers, a mobile shower trailer bringing basic hygiene to the homeless community throughout San Diego. This was a place that they felt humanity was being instilled back into them, dignity was being instilled back into them. Verdin started providing showers in 2019 once a month with one mobile shower trailer in Oceanside. They now hold six shower events every week throughout San Diego County and offer an array of resources. As we offer clothing, we offer barbers, we offer breakfast, we have multiple resources that are connected to sober living, housing, we work with a Vista Community Clinic, we offer tons of resources now. Verdin calls these events mobile navigation centers that help people experiencing homelessness get connected with support. 
Humanity Closets is one of the newest additions to the shower events. You know, they haven't haven't had pants in a couple months, you know, and this is a brand new pair and it's it's little things and when it fits like just perfectly and like it matches their eye color or they're trying to like get to an interview and they need some like interview clothes, like that's completely accessible to them here. Organizer Bianca Lopez is fundraising to make the closet mobile to take to all of the shower locations. Irvin is one of the volunteers at the shower events. He didn't want to share his last name, but said he was one of the first people to use the showers when the program started. You just feel like a whole different person. You just, you want to live, you want to go out there and start conquering your demons. You just feel better about yourself. All of the funding for the shower trailers has been privately donated. Verdin says he has hesitated to apply for grants because it is proof that all the funding is from the people to the people. But he says community partnerships and collaborations ultimately will make the biggest difference. It's only going to be when we all come together as a collective, as a community, then we can start to see some more innovative things happening. Verdin plans on adding a fourth shower trailer through a donor and a mobile laundry trailer expected to debut later this month. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. The COVID-19 pandemic wreaked havoc on long-standing neighborhood restaurants, causing some of them to close. But in City Heights, many persevered through hard work and support from their community. KPBS's Max Rivlin-Nadler is checking in on some of the neighborhood's beloved longtime establishments as part of a series we're calling City Heights Bites. Walk around any hard-working neighborhood, and you'll find a place that you can rely on for fast, cheap, and delicious comfort food. For the past 17 years, that role has been filled by Pat Vuong and his wife Kim Dang, who own Min Ki. As an immigrant from Saigon, Vuong started as a dishwasher at a Chinese restaurant in Horton Plaza, working his way up to executive chef. Before he decided he wanted to open a restaurant, that would meet people at the price point they were at in his own neighborhood of City Heights. So he bought Min Ki, continuing to work with Chinese food and focusing on dishes like handmade wonton noodles served quickly to a hungry community on the go. His daughter Sandy saw where her father was coming from while growing up in the restaurant. We didn't grow up with a lot of money and you know when he was struggling, he was a single dad for a while. Um, raising two little girls, he had three jobs and trying to feed me and my sister it was really difficult for him. So he found places like Minky that where food was affordable. He wanted to bring really good quality homemade food but still keep it at an affordable price. Business ground to a halt last spring as the pandemic shut down restaurants. Overnight, the business that had kept longtime residents of City Heights fed had to shut down. For Minky, it was very difficult in the beginning. Uh, not only are my parents older, but their staff is a little bit older as well as their clientele. So they made it a priority to try to keep everyone safe. Like other restaurants, they shifted to full takeout, but missed the business from the quick shuffling sit-down experience, which fit the busy schedules of their customers. Lucky for them, wonton soup can easily be reheated, and their customers fell back on the old favorite during these troubled times. With a few loans from the federal government and other small grants, Mean Key is still on its feet as it emerges from the pandemic. Everyone's been really excited to still see us here and walking through the doors. Um, it's just been 
very fun to see everyone come back and enjoy a meal with us. It doesn't stick out and it's not flashy, but restaurants like Ninki are what keep the community fed. Sandy Tobin has opened her own restaurant in Kearney Mesa, Dumpling Inn, but her family's food and ethic remains rooted in City Heights. That's what makes City Heights City Heights, is these businesses that are not only independently owned by small families and not backed by some big corporation, um, but that we've been here for so long. We, I think, are what the culture here is. And that reporting from KPBS's Max Rivlin-Nadler. Coming up, a New York-based private equity company, Blackstone Group, bought up 66 apartment complexes throughout San Diego recently, prompting affordability concerns. We'll have that conversation next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. The proposed sale of 66 apartment complexes to the Blackstone Group for more than a billion dollars is being called one of the largest real estate transactions in San Diego history. KPBS reported earlier this year that the Conrad Prebis Foundation was looking to sell its real estate holdings, and now its 5,800 low-income rental units scattered throughout the county are being snapped up by the New York-based Blackstone. The proposed sale has already prompted concern from elected officials over whether the units will remain affordable for working families. Philip Molner is a reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune who covered the story. He spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. Here's that interview. The Blackstone Group is based in New York, but doesn't it already have significant real estate holdings in San Diego? That's right. Blackstone is a massive private equity company. It's often referred to as a private equity giant. And some of the biggest things they own in San Diego County are the Hotel Del Coronado and Legoland. And can you give us a sense of where these new acquisitions, the 66 apartment complexes, where they're located? Is it all over the county? It's basically all over the county. It's it's as far away as East County, a little bit into downtown, just basically all over the place. These are areas where Conrad Prebis himself, he was a real estate developer. You know, he had a large collection of real estate holdings across the county. And the foundation has been able to hold on to that for many years. And why did the Prebis Foundation want to sell them? So they say if they sell all these apartments, they'll be able to use it for more grants to give out to the community. They've been very generous over the past couple of years. Uh, they gave more than $71 million to 112 organizations across San Diego County in March. And just one of those examples was they, they gave $15 million to the San Diego Symphony. So they think they can do a lot more with this money than just holding on to the apartments. Okay, so when a new landlord comes in, the first concern is that rents will be raised. That concern was also reflected in a letter sent by some San Diego officials. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. KPPS was first to report on that. And basically, as soon as these apartments went on sale, 
there was a lot of concern because they're sort of what they call naturally occurring affordable housing. So they're not designated as subsidized housing like a lot of projects are in San Diego County. They basically are just old and you can't get that much money out of them. So they're actually a little bit cheaper for most residents. So when this collection went up for sale, there was a big concern that this is going to cause, you know, rents to go up. Someone's going to fix up the place and rents are going to rise for the residents that are living there. But, you know, we live in a capitalist society and there's nothing to say, hey, Blackstone, you can't buy these things. You know, there, there was nothing on the books. San Diego itself didn't buy the units. The housing authority didn't buy the units. The state didn't buy them. And they were up for sale for a while. And Blackstone came in and bought them. So there's not a lot anybody can do. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. Blackstone says it plans to keep the majority, we don't know how many that is, of residents affordable for people that make 80% or less of the area median income during its ownership. We'll have to see how that plays out, you know. And also Blackstone says it's eager to engage with the state of California and San Diego municipal government to explore opportunities for affordable housing in San Diego. Again, not really sure how that's going to work. Are they going to sell the stuff back, assuming for more, to a municipal government? It's just a wait and see thing at this point. That statement by Blackstone that they intend to keep the units affordable for those who make 80% or less of the area medium income, is that a metric that was already in place or is this some new calculation by Blackstone? I believe it's a new calculation by Blackstone just based on some, you know, criticism of the project early on back when KPBS first reported on it in February. I know from just off the record conversations and other stuff on background that a lot of developers had looked at this portfolio because, you know, it's a huge amount of apartments and there's a lot of possibilities for return and all this kind of stuff. But I think one of the reasons why developers passed on it in addition to needing a ton of money to pull off the deal, was that there was that political pressure that these are going to become a lot higher rent than what they are right now. So as far as I know, Blackstone doesn't do this that often, but they did put that statement out there with their purchase, which I found quite significant. And Blackstone says they also plan to add amenities. What kind of amenities? Basically, these are really old units, so they're going to be doing all sorts of stuff to fix them up put in playgrounds, add maybe a little bit of open space, kind of stuff like that. They also are going to partner with a nonprofit called Pacific Housing. Typically, Pacific Housing works with subsidized housing mainly. But so what they're going to do for residents, they're going to have after-school tutoring, financial literacy classes, health and wellness initiatives, and those are supposed to be at no cost. So that might kind of soften the blow on Blackstone's big purchase. Now, some pandemic eviction moratoriums are about to expire. What does Blackstone stand on evictions? Blackstone says across their entire national portfolio that they haven't evicted anyone due to non-payment of rent during the pandemic. So that might seem sort of like a good thing if you're in one of these apartments and you're kind of nervous. But just to keep in mind that the California eviction moratorium ends on June 30th, I haven't heard anything to say it's going to be extended. San Diego County actually has their own eviction that should go until sometime in August. So we'll have to see how that works out. But it's looking like a lot of those rental protections are beginning to sunset as the economy recovers. 
And since we are speaking about rents, Philip, what are they like these days as we're emerging from the pandemic in San Diego? Are they higher? Are they lower? Rents are higher right now. Actually, during the first part of the pandemic, most of 2020, rents were flat. They were not increasing, which is very rare for San Diego. Even during the Great Recession, our rents were going up. So the fact that there was a brief period of time where rents were about flat, which means they didn't increase year over year, was extremely significant for San Diego County. But in the last few months, we have seen rents tick up in San Diego. So countywide, rents are up 5%, according to real estate tracker CoStar. That's about $1,940 a month average. So it's sort of interesting because if you look at these big nationwide reports on rent, San Diego is one of the few markets in the entire nation where rents have been increasing. And when is the Blackstone deal expected to close? It's expected to close in the next few weeks. Blackstone is saying in the second quarter, 2021. And by my calendar, that's about in six weeks, it's going to be over. So uh, that it is probably going to be in the next few weeks. That was Philip Molnar, reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. Iran's There Is No Evil won the Golden Bear, the top prize at the Berlin Film Festival last year. Now it opens virtually at San Diego's Digital Gym Cinema. KPBS film critic Beth Accomando says it is well worth seeking out. There Is No Evil serves up four thematically linked tales about Iran's death penalty and the servicemen tasked with performing the executions. Each story explores different choices as characters willingly comply, defiantly resist, or are coerced into following orders. Filmmaker Mohammad Rasulov was recently sentenced to prison for films Iranian authorities found to be propaganda against the system. He's appealing the conviction, and his latest film does not back away from questioning the government. But while he's critical of Iran's death penalty, his film is humane and compassionate as it looks at how each character grapples with his options and then deals with the consequences. There Is No Evil is stunningly cinematic as it contemplates provocative moral questions. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. You can check out There Is No Evil at digitalgym.org. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.